हेलो अगेन एंड वेलकम टू टेक टॉक आई एम योर होस्ट टुडे अमर भातखंडे टेक्नोलॉजी एंड लाइफ साइंसेस वेस्ट कोस्ट प्रैक्टिस लीडर एट आइजर एम्पर एंड विद मी टुडे इज माय स्पेशल गेस्ट एंड एंटरप्रेन्योर डैन रुबिन फाउंडर एंड चीफ एग्जीक्यूटिव ऑफ येलो फंडिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस कैन हेल्प यू नेविगेट योर एंटरप्रेन्योर जर्नी कॉलेज फंडिंग इज अ टॉपिक नियर एंड डियर टू ऑल ऑफ अस टुडे यू विल गेट टू हियर फर्स्ट हैंड फ्रॉम डैन अबाउट हिज जर्नी आफ्टर अ वेरी सक्सेसफुल लॉन्च ऑफ येलो व्हाट यू हियर टुडे मे गिव योर डिफरेंट पर्सपेक्टिव and influence your next decision it's great to have you dan uh, thanks for having me as a financial investor by trade you have a fascinating journey to become an entrepreneur please tell our listeners a little bit about your personal story that led to founding of yellow yes sure i moved to uh, new york uh, in early 2000 uh, as you can hear from uh, my accent uh, i'm french uh, i was born and raised in, in paris uh, and i moved uh, here uh, 23 years ago to to live the american dream like uh, any uh, european uh started my career in uh, accounting uh in public accounting and then uh got my uh, mba at nyu stern uh, for me it was very important to if i wanted to make it here in new york to have uh, a us education um and after my uh, mba at nyu I worked uh, 20 25 years on wall street uh i was an investment banker uh, at timman brothers Uh, I worked in a few private equity firms. Uh, I was a private equity investor and a real estate investment firm. And then in 2017, um, you know, I'm in my early 40s and uh, uh, felt that it was, for me, it was the right time personally to, uh, to strike on my own. And I started a, a, an asset management firm with a, a friend of mine to invest in private credit opportunities. uh we've been doing that for the past 6 uh, uh, years and then uh around uh 2020 so 3 years ago uh, as i was putting my uh uh kid to college my first one uh i realized how expensive and uh, outrageous uh college uh, education was and college financing and this is when uh, yellow became an idea and 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 how i got to start uh, yellow well then um I can vouch for this every immigrant has a fascinating story uh, you can probably tell from my accent as well that I'm you know not a native you know obviously now I am but uh, I have a journey as of my own I started back in India I've lived and worked in four different countries seven different cities and, and it's always fascinating to hear from a fellow immigrant so glad to have you here but but tell me as you are putting your own kids through college you are seeing an opportunity to help others also get access to higher education i applaud your compassion and admire your innovative approach it's clear that there is opportunity to be had however succinctly uh, can you articulate the exact problems you are trying to solve yeah sure uh, so there there are actually two two issues today uh, as it relates to uh, higher education uh, first as you know and you read everywhere college has become uh, an affordable an affordable uh, luxury product i mean it's akin to buying an expensive car every year for the next 4 years and for each of your kid right uh, and uh, as price of education uh, uh, continue to skyrocket the uh, student loans have become commonplace for college students trying to cover this tuition cost but the problem is that most graduate uh struggle to repay that debt uh and they are often burdened by it for for decades i mean when 
very interesting statistic is 23% of the outstanding student loan, uh, you know, the 1.7 trillion student loan that we, we talk about, 23% is owed by people over the age of 50. And the reason why we have this problem is there is a disconnect between the salary and the cost of education. And in other words, many students, they borrow too much compared to the expected salary when, when they started college. And, you know, bottom line is that uh, not all majors, not all programs are created equal, uh, yet they all cost the, the, the same thing. The, uh, the second issue that's worse is that the conventional loans, the federal direct subsidized and, and subsidized loans, they are limited to an annual cap and they only cover roughly a quarter of, of the cost of attendance. And these force students and their parents into costly gap financing, what we call the, the private loans, which can go up to 23% APR, and the parent plus loan, which are also very expensive, uh, like 8% a year. And these loans are generally, they are not uh, accessible to uh, uh, socio-economically uh, disadvantaged students. And especially the one we, with that, you know, strong uh, credit score or, or, or co-signer. And that's when I saw that, that's why I started Yellow. I wanted to, to tackle the, this problem. Uh, uh, the way we do it, it's at Yellow, we finance colleagues' expense in exchange for a portion of the student's future salary. So we really invest in the student's future. We, we don't look at their parents' past or their family past. Uh, it's really about partnering with the student. And we feel it's, um, uh, it's a more equitable way, a more affordable way for students to, to finance their uh, education. And that's the, the, the problem we're trying to uh, tackle today. Well, uh, very interesting. My next question, I'm just going to go on uh, how to fund a funder, right? So I understand Yellow is in the middle of raising its seed round from investors. I'm curious, how are you approaching funding and what are you finding to be most successful? Yeah, so we, we raised the pre-seed round last year uh, from front and family to, to, to build our company and our MVP. And right now, as you mentioned, we're uh, uh, raising our seed round you know, to, to build a team and our uh, go-to-market strategy. Um, to, to go back to your question, you know, when, I, when I approach, uh, the way I approach fundraising and when I pitch investors, I don't just talk about the, the financial investment opportunity. I, I also invite them to join our mission, right? We, uh, yes, we are creating a new asset class with good return, but it's also a socially packed investment. We, we focus on, on, on fixing a broken system. And, and there is a, a growing student debt crisis in America, and we are here to try to, to solve that, that issue. So, even if we're not running a, a non-for-profit and uh, you know, we're here to make money, uh, today ESG is really at the forefront of uh, investment decision. And it's for a lot of investors, it's not just about profit anymore. It's about the mission. And I constantly emphasize that and, and the mission and what we, uh, uh, we're trying to do. Um, the, the other thing also what I find successful is to tell my story. Uh, when, you know, when you... You're in fundraising, you have to be good at storytelling and you have to demonstrate passion. Uh, for me, like I said, this is personal. Yellow was born out of my frustration to put, I'm having three kids uh, in college uh, 
all at the same time. I mean, you know, it can uh, do the quick math of how much it's costing me uh, on an annual basis. And, and, and I, I realized that education was uh, expensive and discriminatory. And so I already tried to really bring this personal story because behind every institutional investor, every fund, uh, there are individuals with kids that have kids that are about to go to college or, we, or are in college. And so they can relate to that issue. It, it's, it's, and that's a big first step. Uh, you know, I read somewhere and that, that, that's true. Uh, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And so uh, to show that it's, it's uh, really uh, critical. Well, it's truly incredible mission that uh, you, you are set yourself on the path of. But along with that, what you're also creating is a new asset class in the market. Can you expand on this concept a little bit and including how much ROI a customer or a client could expect to get in return? Yes. So this is a new asset class, but uh, income share agreement, that, that's the name of the product, uh, was uh, popularized by uh, Milton Friedman in the 50s. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the core principle of an ISA is uh, revolve around a student repaying a fixed percentage of their earned income, in general, above $30,000 a year, over a defined period, in general, it's 10 years, and up to a maximum amount, in general, between 1.7 times to uh, two times the, the, the funding amount. Now, the, the, the concept of ISA has gained significant attention in recent years, uh, and not just for their student-centric approach, but also due to their attractiveness as an investment uh, option. The, the gap financing market, uh, which is what I mentioned earlier, the private loans and the parent press loan, is a $350 billion market with $35 billion of annual origination. And this presents a golden opportunity for investors to tap into uh, a previously untapped asset class. The, uh, the, the potential return have attracted not only institutional investors, but also a credit provider. The, uh, in terms of return, uh, or the way I look at it is in IR, uh, an investor can expect 9 to 12%, depending on when a student receives funding uh, in junior or senior year, and, and how long it takes to, uh, uh, to uh, repay, that, uh, that, to repay that, uh, uh, that financing. Now, the, the other thing that's attractive for investors in this asset class is that there is a unique aspect of inflation protection investment, uh, as opposed to other fixed income products, other bonds that have fixed payment. Here, the uh, repayment in ISA are tied to the salaries. And so this acts as a safeguard against uh, inflation. So it's another attractive aspect for, for, uh, for investors. But look, at the end of the day, it all comes down to return. And, and this product, it's, it's a high single-digit, low double-digit uh, type of uh, return. So I'm going to uh, shift uh, the topic a little bit. You know, uh, tell me, as a pre-seed startup, uh, what kinds of business advisors or support teams are you putting in place as you look to move your startup to the next stage? Yeah. So look, I'm, I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. Right, and there are many things that I don't know, and and when you 
take a, uh, an idea from a concept to an idea to a business, you need to surround yourself with uh, a, a great team. So as I was you know, building this fintech, I quickly realized that the fin part, I could take care of it, you know, 20, 25 years on the Wall Street. But then there was the tech part and other uh, 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 topics I had to take care of it off. So uh, regarding the tech part, uh, I needed to build a platform. I hired software engineer and, and, and most importantly, a tech advisor to uh, help me guide these engineers because, you know, they are speaking a language that I do not speak. Um, and uh, my tech advisor became uh, an investor in in in, in the firm. Uh, he was a uh, he's a firm believer in what we're doing. But then uh, it's not just about uh, when you build this uh, startup. You know, th- there was a very good statistic I I, I read, which is that eighty two percent of adults um, have never heard of income share agreement, but thirty nine percent said that they would. Um, they would consider it if it was an option. So early on, I, I realized that it was, if I wanted to succeed, it was all about educating people and marketing the product. And again, you know, I'm a finance guy, I'm not a marketing guy. And so decided to uh, uh, hire uh, as an advisor, uh, a CMO in a fintech company and help me with my go-to-market strategy and and and, and marketing the, uh, the product. And then the, the, the last thing, uh, that was important to me when you deal with this sort of industry in the fintech uh, world is regulation, right? You you have to be careful in what you do. Uh, here, I say it's not a regulated, uh, it's unregulated industry. That being said, from the beginning, I wanted to make sure that I would be compliant with what the CFPB would require or, or, or Congress eventually if they decide to regulate the industry. And so I hired very good lawyers and compliance advisor and uh, policy maker advisor. And they helped me uh, 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 in, in that aspect. And then obviously, you know, you always need like a good PR firm to uh, get your name out there and, uh, and uh, promote, your, uh, promote your, your company. So that's, that's how you take an idea from just a, a pitch book to a real, a real thing. Well, smart strategy, uh, no wonder yellow is on, well on its way, right? So I always save my favorite question for last. Well, as you embark on this new journey as an entrepreneur, is there one conversation you have had that continues to resurface and accompany you on your journey? Yes. Um, look, I'm, I'm a transactional person. I've done deals all my life. Uh, as an investment banker, a private equity investor, or, or fund manager, and even now as uh, as an entrepreneur, I continue to do deals and negotiate deals. Um, uh, early on in my uh, private equity career, uh, one of my boss boss um, told me something that uh, stuck with me that he himself had learned from Lionel Pincus, one of the co-founder of Warburg Pincus, and that's. When and that was in the context of private equity, but when you acquire a company uh, uh, with um, management, always leave the last dollar on the table. For you as an investor, it's not going to change that much for you in terms of IRR and, and the profitability of the deal. But for the management team, it's going to make a lot of difference. It's they're going to feel good about the deal. They're going to walk away uh, positively, and they're go- going to work hard. And so for me, I always keep 
keep that in mind. And I always apply it even now when I negotiate fees with uh, service providers or terms with investors or any type of, of deals that I do, uh, I really feel that I don't need to have the last word. I can leave the last door on the table. For me, it's not going to change much, but I want to make sure that the other party feels good about the deal and we start the relationship in the most positive way. And that has worked for me uh, so far. Then that's a fantastic approach. Uh, can't uh, disagree with you or agree with you more on that. Uh, taking the last dollar always uh, creates an issue and leaving that on the table, uh, everybody walks feeling so nice about it. Then thank you for taking time to have a conversation with me today. Thank you very much. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into Tech Talk. Subscribe to Eisner Amper Podcast to listen to more Tech Talk episodes. Join us for our next podcast episode or visit eisneramper.com for more tech news you can use. Thank you.